welcome back to the episode and welcome back to a bit of a special episode because we're not going to talk about a specific um, topic of design. We're going to talk more broadly about how to become or what a, what are the benefits of being a UXer. And today I'm joined by Shenzila, who is a product manager at Dynamic Web. But moreover, she is very much involved in everything UX. Um, she started the Ladies That UX group in Aarhus, where a lot of like-minded women within the fields of UX get together and share their experience and knowledge. Um, but I'm sure you can tell me and the listeners a lot more about that, um, because uh, you also have a podcast called Mind Human, which is, maybe you can start with that, <laughs> which is about... What is that about? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, thank you, Marcus, for this uh, glorious introduction. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I'm Gensila, uh, at the moment working as a project manager at Dynamic Web and on the side having uh, developing my podcast show called Mind the Human, which is the second season of a podcast that I started last year. So the first season of the podcast was all about becoming the designer you would want to meet. Um, so it had the, the name was Digital Nordic Creatives and it started as a school project because I was in the shoes of a person who professionally wanted to meet these role mod models within design. I was studying digital concept development and uh, I was lacking the inspiration and the motivation to become a really great designer just from learning from school. So I felt the urge to start this platform, this podcast show, to meet different designers and hear their journey. How did they become designers and what kind of designers can you become? Um, what kind of, of work do you do as a UX designer, as a visual designer, as a digital designer, um, as an industrial designer? So, so the designer umbrella as a profession has, um, is, is very much dead because it's giving birth to so many sub-professions or sub-jobs which are getting more and more specialized. And one of them was user experience design because at school I was really studying um, a lot about customer journeys, um, a lot about having a startup and curating this startup to think uh, in the terms of the user that it's going to serve or of the people that they are going to serve uh, already in the beginning of cre creating and crafting the business model. And so, um, yeah, getting the, the inspiration, getting the stories from these senior designers was really the key to me advancing to the, the work that I'm doing right now and to the knowledge that I have currently. And now the second season, Mind the Human, is more of a, a personal development uh, podcast. So from professional development, I moved, my interest really developed into personal development and how you use the same process of uh, creating the work that you want to do as a designer. So the same design process 
into creating the the lifestyle and the life that you want. So it's essentially, Mind the Human is about designing the human you want to become. So same principles apply to, to life. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, yeah, and you almost touched upon it, uh, my first question, which is gonna be like, um, what is your journey into the UX field and how did you like become a designer? Mm, yes, um, it's always a question that brings a lot of memories. So you kind of have to go down the memory lane. Mm. Um, it probably started right after high school where I chose to study uh, information technology and communication in Albania, which is where I come from. So I started my studies there, getting introduced to systems, to the web generally, to all the, the algorithms, the systems behind what we experience and what we use every day. And systems back then were very different. This is 2011 and 2012 we're talking about. Um, and I, I understood that, yes, I do have a very um, deep interest in, in technology because I really love the speed with which it grows. However, I didn't feel that those studies um, at that particular institution were the right for me. So um, I was at the same time working in marketing, which now in hindsight, was a very good combination getting uh, insight in technology development and working in in business and marketing gives you this mindset of developing a business while using the right technology to drive it forward um, but again it wasn't the right institution so um, i heard from one of my colleagues about this program in denmark um, which is a high schooler. So uh, I thought, okay, let, let's see, let me take a gap year and go to high schooler and get to know the Danish culture. It was a very spontaneous decision. C can, you, can you explain for anybody who's not from Denmark what a high schooler is? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very good and mindful question. So a high schooler is a very special program that I think you only find in Scandinavia, in Denmark, Sweden and Norway. Uh, and it's founded, it's a kind of school of life where you, um, I think as a Dane, you go there to have this these semester of getting to know yourself, living together with other people, becoming more social, um, getting to know yourself from an artistic perspective. So it is a boarding school for people who maybe recently graduated from high school and want to go to university, but they need to develop themselves in a specific line. So in this high school, we had uh, medicine line, we had the journalism line, we had the artistic line. So you could, you could take these different lines and uh, get some skills right before going to university because it's a major shift, as we all know, from high school to university. This is like a really good 
a good step where you can both develop yourself, develop friendships, um, get some mentorship and so on. But for me as an international, it was mostly about getting to know the Danish culture um, and experiencing Denmark. So it was just a gap year activity. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think, yeah, again, in hindsight, I used it quite wisely because I have a an, very natural interest in languages and cultures. So I really immersed myself in, in this program and I learned Danish extremely fast. Um, and to this day, a lot of people are surprised of my level of Danish. But uh, I, I always say the secret is always to immerse yourself and put both feet into it and, and all of your heart. So um, I liked the life philosophy people have in Denmark. Um, I like how people take care of each other and, and the way that the, the mindset is generally in Denmark. So um, I went back to Albania working for a couple of years again in marketing and then i came back to denmark to study marketing for two years and digital concept development so digital design for another uh, two years and um, that was that was basically my formal education um, in uh, or the way into user experience design and how I crafted my interests. It was building up block after block, getting knowledge in IT, getting knowledge in business and marketing, getting uh, some knowledge in user psychology, uh, getting some knowledge in um, user user journeys um, and all of that design process, human-centered design process that uh, that we study, which is very new. I realized to the world there are not so many UX focused study programs so at some point last year I felt very privileged that I was um, studying this this program which was very very new and and it was almost at the the leading edge of anybody working in in tech so uh, after finishing my um, my, my study program, I did an internship at Designit, which is a global strategic agency where I worked as a UX designer there. Uh, we did a lot of um, workshop facilitations, a lot of actual um, user experience work. And that's where I realized that even user experience design has many under categories and many specializations. You could be you could be the wireframe guru where anytime anybody needed some wireframes for any project they could come to you or you could be the uh, workshop facilitation master or you could be the very business driven strategic mind within all of this within user experience design Mm -hmm. so gaining all of this knowledge um, about the different ways you can become a, a user experience designer. Then I decided to take all of this upon me and say, okay, which parts of user experience design do I like, and which parts, um, which parts am I good at? And and from my experience in IT and marketing, 
it made sense for me to diverge into more of a, a UX project manager because I, I really enjoy facilitating um, facilitating meetings in the right way, leading teams and developing projects for the, um, the end goal of digital transformation in, in all businesses. So that's my journey and that's how I got to becoming a project manager at Dynamic Web in a, in a daily life with many challenges, but uh, serving a, a really good goal. I believe. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That was um, because yeah, you almost answered one of my questions, follow-up question, which was what type of like UX designer would you see yourself being? Um, but I get the sense that it's it's the um, what you should, yeah, it's the UX designer who is the researching analyst who is very into human behavior, user behavior, stuff like that? Or am I far off? <laughs> uh, no, you're, you're right. I am a UX generalist, what you would, would call a UX generalist. Yeah. Um, so having, having the overview of what the business needs are for this particular project, um, what scope are we talking about? How much can we develop? We can make a, a fantastic um, let's say, let's take an example of a web shop. We can make a fantastic web shop with a thousand features. Uh, however, we, we have a particular scope and a budget and focusing on that will um, in turn give the business the value that they need. And actually I um, read the other day about software development and, uh, and website development. Uh, and <laughs> there is this feature creep uh, that all clients and all businesses um, get become prey of. Um, they ask, for example, for a hundred features. However, here we can apply the Pareto rule, the 80-20, the and that 20% of the features that you develop are de deliver the value of the 80% that the rest of the 80% that you develop. So if, if you think about a web shop, people are going to use the same 20% uh, of uh, features and the other 80% that was used a lot of time in developing will kind of be in the gray area and almost never used. So it's about the role of a UX generalist is about prioritizing that 20% no matter the wishes and no matter the, the fantastic ideas that everybody in the team has, but being focused on that 20% that's going to deliver the 80% of the value. Um, and the other part of being a UX generalist is being able to facilitate the meetings and the workshops where you bring all the team together to deliver these uh, projects and making sure that everybody feels comfortable, making sure that everybody is using their specialty skills so i could work with with ux specialists who are very much into um let's say systems and um, system architecture organizing the information or who are more of a ux ui designers so making sure that that everybody finds their um 
way of working with the team and uh, that we have a team velocity that delivers uh, in, the, in the required scope and the required timeline. So it's again about understanding the business, understanding your team and being sure of the, the technology that you have behind the solution and combining it all into a full circle to deliver the solution. Does it, does it make sense? Uh, what, kind of, what kind of a UX designer I am at the moment? Yeah, it does, it does. When you put it into your own words, it, it, it makes a lot of sense uh, compared to, let's say, if someone describes it to you um, on a, uh, like text-wise, because that's all people will always, always use a lot of buzzwords which doesn't make any sense. When people like explain, like you do, um, where the value is and what you see um, gains value uh, um, by your work, it makes a lot more sense and it's easier to understand what type of UXer you are. Um, because uh, as I've talked about on the podcast before, UX is a very, like, in my opinion, misused term and it doesn't, it doesn't cover or it covers too much. Uh, it's too broad. Um, and that's also, it, it leads me into my, my, one of the next question I have, because, um, before we go into like the main topic of, of, of today, which is like the benefits of being UXer, I would like to like maybe have a discussion about your viewpoint on UXs with different backgrounds and who comes uh, who come from like all who have all types of different journeys because we too don't have like the same journey to become a UXer um, and there is like no right and wrong way to become a UXer <laughs> which I sometimes find a bit of a problem uh, in my opinion because I I don't think that um, people or people who are UX or maybe have the right understanding uh, um, either about design or about users um, so what is your viewpoint on that do you think people should have same journeys backgrounds or do you think it's okay that there is this huge variety of, of, of different types of areas you can come from? Mm, yeah, I understand your question and it's a very good question because I had the same question last year while I was still a student and thinking, okay, how does one become a user experience designer, which again spurred my um, podcast show Digital Nordic Creatives, just the curiosity of how does one become a user experience designer and, and what is that? even what is a user experience designer yeah all of these questions i needed answers to so i went on this journey of meeting many people and getting their insights on their journeys um, and i like um, dave hogg one of the people i, I interviewed uh, in for digital nordic creatives he is a um, user experience designer. He's a design lead now at Google and uh, he puts it very well. He had a psychology background, so completely different. 
Um, and he puts it very well that user experience design has become a buzzword mm. um, and people use it left and right on on describing all sorts of professions. Describing Somebody might be just a graphic designer and they are starting to emerge more on, on user experience designers. So he said that a user experience designer didn't even exist. You would be a, a front-end developer or a software developer. Back then when the, when the web boomed um, and then suddenly everybody was on the web and everybody was putting all sorts of crap information on the web, completely unstructured and unorganized. And you would feel very lost um, in the way that you were using the web because nobody knew how to use the web. So it became a necessity to have these people, these software developers who also got a human perspective because now it, would, it wouldn't just be a web professionals who would operate the web or the systems, it would be the public. It got so commercialized that everybody was on the web. And if you as a business did not have a good, uh, well-structured website, let's say if you're selling products and people were not able to find your products, then it became um, less relevant for you to be on the market because people would immediately switch to the competitor. So then it became necessary to have these um, information architects, as they are called, which is one of the UX specializations. So you, you organize the information, you work with the taxonomy of the website or of the product. Um, and this, this kind of UX designer started developing in early 2000s. Then with the um, invention of the iPhone and the smartphone, suddenly we had the need to design not only the systems, but also the experience for smaller screens and medium screens and iPad screens and phone screens and even uh, Apple Watch screens. So designing the information in, in uh, that with those kind of limitations created the opportunity to, for, for these software developers and these designers to specialize even more. Um, and today we are at that point, I think, when we, a user experience designer can be anybody who has an understanding of information technology, an understanding of websites, and, and a little bit of understanding of uh, human psychology. Just combining all of that into a well-routined practice, you can work at any agency all around the world. So a user experience designer right now is this unified um, professional who has developed a practice and an understanding of, again, the business, the technology and the user or the people. So, yeah, you can come from many backgrounds, psychology, you can come from um, the most classical background is studying information technology and, and data science and then getting on the side some lessons on psychology and combining that. Um, I know of many graphic designers who have evolved into uh, user experience designers. Mm. 
so you can come from many backgrounds and there is no right way to you can you can craft your own journey into becoming a ux designer the most important part of it is to know be aware of the value you're bringing and have the mission of eventually becoming redundant because it, it will become redundant as a profession as more parts of the organizations understand the value of user experience design and start implementing it in their practices in each department. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I would all, though argue that, that it's important to have just some kind of design understanding in some cases and I've I just myself experienced that that is a lack that some UXers don't have because they don't have a design background because they might come from, I don't know, uh, maybe a communication background or something else. And in my opinion, that's, that's very much a downside if you're going to design um, solutions that have to create value for someone. Um, I myself have a background in traditional design culture, i.e. understanding how design is affecting our culture. Um, and then I transitioned uh, on my master's over to digital design. But on my digital design master, there were none of my peers who had a background from design. So none of them, um, I couldn't. We couldn't like collaborate in a in a good manner because they ha didn't have the understanding of design that I had. So it was very hard for us to like uh, find common ground on understanding what and why we should design the way we did. So, in my opinion, that could be a huge challenge if you don't have like-minded people who have just some knowledge or experience with. Um, design or understanding why design is important. Um, maybe that, that, that's a bit harsh, but but yeah, that's just my, um, maybe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I completely see your point of view and I think uh, you're right, you're right. Um, of course, people who have a design background have more chances and a deeper, more specialist-like knowledge of uh, driving and developing these uh, innovative solutions because design in the end is not what it looks like or what it feels like it's very much how it works so you you have to get a deep understanding of of how the the systems work in order to be able to think about the user and think about the business so if i understand you correctly you're talking about you're talking more about a technical understanding of what design is is that right yeah yeah um but also yeah may, yeah maybe it's the technical but it's also um a fundamental understanding of of how design affect stuff and people and 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 i think that's is that is crucial to know about and i have worked with people who uh, are said to be UX designers or designers and don't have this background or don't have that understanding and that's 
in my opinion, very hard, not only to work with, but also to reach an end result, which is satisfying in my opinion, because the end result is maybe then not focus on, in my opinion, good design and, and something that create value for um, the end user. Um, yeah. yeah, and many people would argue, you know, what is good design and what creates value for the user? Um, is Does satisfying every user need and every user want create value for the user? Because we UX designers claim to be in every organization the advocate of the user and that creates professionally a very um, lone wolf lifestyle inside the organization because many UX designers I know from from the community ladies that UX Aarhus that I also founded last year many of these girls they feel very lonely in uh, having to advocate the users and having the knowledge about the, the user psychology and the heuristics and all the best practices and so, having the discussion with either the developers or senior management in well i uh, i i don't know what the user wants <laughs> everybody expects me to know what the user wants and i need to be the user advocate um but at the same time delivering something that is so beautiful and that will satisfy all the user needs will in the end be like a dead corpse if it doesn't serve the business need. And this is what I think, to come back to your um, point about designers needing to have a design background, um, is equally as important for designers to have a business background. So it, it is a merge of all these very three important pillars the design understanding or the technology understanding the business understanding and practice and the psychology uh, human psychology understanding if you develop these three then I think you're going to be a, a very good or you're well on your way of being a very good user experience designer yeah that's I, I can I can agree with that and that's um, I just want to jump back because you you asked a question before about what is good design and I I just want to I'm curious to know what you how you would describe the good design if it's possible. <laughs> hmm, that's a very good question. And it's a very hard one to answer as well. Um, yeah, maybe we can collaborate in, yeah. in answering this one. I I thought about it before, so I have a pre-answer. Uh, <laughs> um, in my opinion, um, design is always something that adds value, um, and 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 good design, either um, regardless if it's on digital or non-digital, it doesn't matter. But good design is something where you don't have to think about how you you use it. And, and what I usually use as an example is um, the classical door example where if you know how to use a door, you don't notice 
how you use it. You, you know all these public doors where you have this push-pull sign on it? That, in my opinion, is bad design. Because you shouldn't state how you should use a door. Because there should all, it should be intuitive and there should only be one way to, uh, to use a door. So, so if you have these push-pull signs, uh, you should um, maybe redesign the door and put a metal plate on it that indicates one thing you can only push on that plate right because there's no handles or anything you can pull in so so you should make it intuitive and it shouldn't be something that you should stop and think about um i i have the same with there's same like every time i use for example adobe illustrator i have one type of function i never like honestly can remember how to use and in my opinion that's bad design and it's just the, the crop tool or how you uh, because it's different from all the other programs from uh, from photoshop and um, premiere and after effects and stuff like that so it doesn't uh, in my in, in my mind it doesn't make sense how to use the crop tool in <laughs> in in illustrator and i know it's because it's vector based and it's different from from photoshop but but it's just the functions are different and they aren't like uh, similar across these platforms or these softwares. Um, yeah, so to sum up, good design is something that is intuitive, doesn't need a user manual, you don't have to think about how you use it, and it's something that you typically don't notice. So, good design is, every, is something that you use in almost everyday life and where you don't think about it because you always noticed all the bad things and you always notice what is bad. You never noticed and appreciate the good design, in my opinion. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's a very good illustration of what good design is and explanation, I think. Good design is definitely um, a, let's say, product or in the software and services world, a service that brings value to the customer and equally brings value to the business because it's a it's it's a circle that cannot exist the one cannot exist without the other we need the business to develop the good design that will bring it to the user there has been many many examples of great ideas of design that never made it to the end user because um, the business wasn't strong enough to deliver it. So the value has to be both both sided. And um, I have uh, a, a Steve Jobs quote. You cannot have a podcast episode without a Steve Jobs quote. Oh, I've done it wrong all, all along because this is the first Steve Jobs quote I'm, I'm going to have. So. Hit me. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Steve Jobs says, in most people's vocabularies, design is a veneer. So it's like interi interior decorating. The fabric of the curtains of the sofa, if you illustrate it as an example. But nothing could be further from the true meaning and value of design because he says design is the fundamental soul of a human-made creation that ends up expressing itself in successive outer, outer layers of the product. So you see something um, enjoyable and you think of that as good design. 
But um, he says, it's a fundamental soul of a human-made creation, which means it comes from the insights of human psychology. And that's where the door example comes really in handy to explain this, is that some designer has been so deep in understanding of human um, routine, human thinking, human psychology, that they figured out a way to make this interaction as seamless as possible. So I agree with, with what you say, that good design is invisible. Mm -hmm. And we'll see that even more in the, in, the, in the future upcoming technologies, where we talk about ubiquitous computing, seamless interactions in digital design. And I'm really looking forward to see how, how it will all develop where we maybe uh, we're going to talk about um, zero UI and no screens, then, you know, what, what, control, right? what is going to be a designer? Yeah. <laughs> what is going to be a designer at that point? Then there's only, then there's a, a bigger percentage of user psychology that you need an understanding of when the technology takes care of itself. Then there is a, a user psychology and a business perspective you need to have as a user. But you will always have like uh, an experience that the user have to go through. And saying that there's no UI doesn't mean that the designer is obsolete in my opinion. There's That's just the end product that you come out with which is like the pretty thing that the user sees, but all the underlying stuff, all the research that goes into creating that, uh, you can just disregard the UI and then you still have a designer, right? Um, that's how I see it. Uh, and that's um, because because the UI uh, is something that you can, that you usually put on uh, in a design process a bit later on, you, you start to like research and do you concept develop and then you ideate and then you get to maybe mock ups and then you start prototyping stuff and then you put on simple UI if it's the I don't know mobile app or something like that and then you you iterate again and then so so the UI actually just comes in place a bit late in the process I would say so so I um I also see that there's a lot of places where you need designers but for sure yeah. Um, human psychology and understanding the user on a deeper level is, is going to be even more important when you don't have maybe the visual aspect of how a user interacts with stuff. Mm -hmm. And one, one good example of that is chatbots and voice, <laughs> voice commanded technologies yeah. where you, the interface is, is completely exactly. um, irrelevant, right? It's very standardized how the interface looks like but then you you go more into we talked about this last year with uh, ladies that ux we had a, a meetup focusing on design personalities uh, and actually i write wrote an article about it on my medium channel um so de designing personalities for artificial intelligence that's where one example where where human understanding, personality understanding becomes such a, a larger part of the design process rather than uh, 
then designer, designing the user interface and thinking about colors and typography and materials. So I think that that's a good example to indicate where the future is going for user experience designers. And absolutely, there will always be need for user experience designers. But again, it's going to transform in the, the second wave of, of tech. For sure, because I can see a lot of use cases for it, for, for, for these like um, um, virtual assistants. And I have a Google Home um, um, and I can, I can see, a, yeah, I can see a lot of frustration with it when I use it. I only use it on English because the Danish version isn't that good. And, and um, it doesn't understand the same in Danish as it does in English. I've done some tests where I try and ask it, it the same things and, and it gives me different answers. And some of the English ones are more complex and more um, detailed. In, in what it explains um, and I can see a lot of places where you can improve um, on it and but it's 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 super interesting to me um, um, this topic where, where yeah how, how would you see a, um, a designer or let's say just a UXer um, in the future um, because yeah it's gonna change for sure um, if you're in the let's say in the in the digital field because because that's that's gonna where the big shift is because you can always be a user experience designer um, that that won't change that much if you're on physical products that, uh, that don't have any digital, uh, digital aspects um, that will more or less be the same because that there you have to focus on how people are interacting with the physical object and what is the feedback on that right mm. that's true and that's a uh... Um, coming back to the topic of the episode, benefits of being a, a user experience designer, that's also going to change as the profession develops in different directions. Um, but uh, every time I meet a self-claimed user experience designer, I'm a bit hesitant in, um, in let's say, meeting them as user experience designers before having the explanation of what they actually do mm. within user experience design. Um, so I would love to, to have more specific um, names, more developed names uh, that are more self-explanatory and less confusing for uh, the mundane people, people yeah. as a, our, our, our parents or our grandmas, um, I mean, they would never understand what, what we are talking about. So I would love to make it more, uh, turn it into a more human-friendly language and we're going in that direction is very positive. Um, but, uh, but that's why I am um, starting with the second season of my podcast, Mind the Human, is because I want to take all of the design um, theories, the design practices, and make them applicable in life so that the normal people can understand, oh, so the website development or software development is not that much different than human development and social development. Um, so, so I really like to explore into that area and try to um, get people to understand that 
they are not that different. The, the base concepts are the same. You are, you, you, you have some insights, you do some discovery, you define what you uh, need, then you start developing. Um, and in the end, you have a product that you deliver. Yeah, for sure. That's, yeah. So do you think the value of, of, of a UXer um, is underestimated? And do you think it's going to change over time? Mm, it's a very good question. The value of a UXer always depends on the UX maturity of a company. There are different levels of, of maturity. And this was a, mm, a very big topic last year when I was uh, even more active in these discussions. And there are different models to describe the maturity of a company. So you have... Um, this the, the UX maturity is essentially a measurement mechanism that allows us to understand how likely an organization is to implement a user-centered approach to their website or product development. Um, and, and also we can under, have an understanding of how each department um, individually in the organization apply user experience um, approaches there. So we, we can have the first level, which is uh, called a barrier, uh, I think. So it's, it's a it's a level where companies have absolutely no conversations regarding implementing user-centered approach. Um, they, they don't understand it. Um, they focus more on, you know, just delivering fast and not taking care of having a proper understanding of what the user needs are. And then we have this a second level of UX maturity, which is more apprehensive. So implementation of UX practices is a bit more sporadic. You have some UX designers who you have, I think, maybe one UX designer in a company, you know, those startups which have hire a UX designer who does everything, hmm. the visual design, the UI. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and usually this is, this is pure budget issues because they want to have the practices in the company. However, they can't, they think they can't afford it. Um, but I think they should think more, I can't afford to not have it because UX is a business driver, essentially. Um, and so when they understand this, they get to the third level, which is more supportive. So you have a, a top-down mandate, um, as well as a gra grassroots movement for UX. So you have an understanding of the CEOs, because it always has to trickle down. And then you have employees who also have an understanding and a supporting of these practices. And then in the end, of course, you have uh, hiring more and more UX designers and getting it more specialized. As the product evolves, you as a company or, or organization become an advocate. And that's Apple, that's Google. These, these companies are advocates for user experience design. Mm. And this is what they make their money on because Apple comes with a new model every year, approximately, maybe two. Um, 
and what they are selling is user experience design. <laughs> they are selling a better experience, a faster experience, a better performance. Um, I really think um, I really think Apple is not adhering to their um, Steve Jobs mission, challenging the status quo. Um, I think they're more complying with the status quo now because the status quo is um, to have better performance, to have better UX. And um, I, I really hope that they will go back to, to actually challenging the status quo which they were, uh, they collaborated in creating. We have this new status quo now that Apple collaborated in creating. So they have to challenge their own status quo. And that will be very interesting to see how, how they will develop their products into doing that. So um, yeah, you have these different UX maturity levels and depending on that, um, businesses then, value the benefits of having a user experience designer. So if you are a user experience designer in a not so mature, maybe first level barrier company, then you have a very big mission <laughs> in first getting your very deep knowledge. And if you're just starting out in the field, it could be so, so challenging. Um, first getting the knowledge of why user experience design is profitable and sell it to top management because then you can get to the second and third level where you have their understanding and their support in taking business decisions that will adhere to the end user in developing the product yeah that makes that makes sense a lot that was from like the company and business side of it what if we look at from the user, from the end user and, and the people who actually use these products, do you think that UX is underestimated and the value of it? Or do you think it's like an oversight people don't actually think about? Mm. Yeah, well, coming back to good UX is when you don't see it mm -hmm. uh, and when, when it's as simple as possible. In that way, it can be a bit underestimated um, because then many people don't have the intel on um, what it took on the backstage to make it so simple and so usable as it is. They think that it's just generated like that. It's just the system. It's the magic system that designs itself. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I think uh, getting it more and more commercialized um, companies promoting user experience design uh, having podcasts like this having more material available out there on on user experience design i think that makes the end customers also more mature in their understanding of how necessary it is to get them from this level of frustration and the system not working to the level of I'm um, willing to participate in this testing um, sessions because I would want you know, future generations to have better experience in using digital products. 
than I did. So, so then it becomes a mainstream thinking of let's improve our systems together globally, both as users and, and businesses and designers. Yeah. I was all, I've thought about this question quite a lot before, like um, why or how um, UX is underestimated uh, um, from the end user's viewpoint. And I don't know, one of the things I keep coming back to is that UX isn't that tangible as um, the, 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 there isn't like a, a tangible value or for the end user to um, uh, to perceive and to like um, it's yeah it, it's always coming back to like good design is invisible so you don't notice it and and that's why in my opinion and and that it's that it's hard to appreciate um, the value that that goes into UX um, because when I talk to people who who are without uh, who are uh, outside of this field and maybe don't have that much of insight into what goes into like I must say just creating a menu bar on a website and and that you have to do a lot of maybe research on how people navigate and where they are, are looking on the website and and who um, what what is the age group and how will people interact with it this type of, of, of menu bar compared to this type. Um, people are often surprised about the level of detail that might go into to creating something like this and, and why is that so important um, is often the question I get asked and, and their answer is that otherwise you would end up with something that you would get annoyed by, by on a daily basis, right? Um, mm -hmm. So there is, when I was first started studying UX, I had a hard time explaining it to, norm, to, to normal people. <laughs> and we were all normal people, but, but people who are not that engaged in yeah. the knowledge of UX. Mm. Uh, and so it would always be uh, saying something like, you know, when you're using a website or application on your phone or computer and you get frustrated when it doesn't do what you want it to do, and then they would say, yeah, so my job as a UX designer is to make sure that that doesn't happen. It's so less frustrated, actually. <laughs> yeah. So I would go, I would always go so far to say user experience design produces a feeling. And that's why it's so, um, so hard to both to explain, but also to sell and monetize because UX is a feeling of frustration in the case when it doesn't work mm -hmm. and when work has been performed then you get a feeling of ease you get a feeling of um, usability usability in a way that it's so intuitive that I don't even um, I don't even realize how this happened and you can also get to that point where you feel pleasure when you have those small feedback um, loops or small feedback messages um, in gamification, for example. Mm. So I would say UX is a feeling. <laughs> um, it's really hard to monetize it, but when you think about it um, in, in a 
very developed wor world, we have many things that are non-tangible and we still pay for. Yeah. Um, so we, we absolutely cannot, I think we cannot live without user experience design. We would have a miserable life. Not at all, yeah. We, no, 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 we can't live without it. Uh, and, and you use it every day, you just don't notice that you use it. Um, the coffee mug you use have been designed in a way that enhances the way, um, I don't know, you hold your cup or something like that. And that, that creates a better user experience for you. Because on the, if, if, if it was designed in a way where it, where it dripped every time you used it, you would get annoyed and you wouldn't use that. And that would be a, a bad experience, right? So you use it in everyday objects. And, and that's just something I don't think everybody thinks about, that everything is actually designed. Just something is just designed with a slightly different purpose. And if you if you have something that is more aesthetic, it's not designed anymore because then you don't have it fulfilling a purpose, right? Um, or it doesn't, or it doesn't, yeah, but it, exactly, but it doesn't create value for the user, maybe. Uh, or, or, okay, yeah, it does, it, it can create value in, in a different sense, but it doesn't, hmm. I'm on a sidetrack right now, but, but yeah, but <laughs> well, you know what I mean, right? It reminded me of uh, another quote. I can't remember which one this is from, but uh, it's, it really describes very well what a designer does and um, what, ro what the roles of a designer is. And they, the quote goes like, a, a designer is an emerging synthesis of an, an artist, an inventor, a mechanic, an objective economist, and an evolutionary strategist. So it's it's so complex, the thinking that you put behind every simple product. Because yeah. a real product, um, which, which will have a, a long lifetime in the market, needs to be simple. You have to put all of these roles into function and all of that thinking in order to make it uh, as, as simple as possible and as usable as possible. So it's, it's very interesting how much thinking you have to do as a designer. It's not only artistic thinking and aesthetic thinking, but it's functional thinking, is mechanical thinking, is economical thinking. And at the same time, it all starts with intention and strategy. Mm. Exactly. And uh, yeah, what was my point? No, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm brain fart, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we might have summed up just more or less some of the benefits, let's just say, of, of being a UXer and, and, and that it can create value or it actually, the purpose is to create value for for people or either businesses as well as the end user mm. mm -hmm. i think um, hopefully by the end of this episode nobody will be in doubt about um, that the user experience design as a profession as a practice is not only does not only bring benefits but is a necessity mm. for driving any business is a necessity for producing any products, any services which will bring 
um, concise value to their users. Um, but also what I would like to leave our listeners with is if you are a user experience designer who's just starting, I cannot speak about senior user experience designers because I don't have that experience. I'm a young professional myself, but from my standpoint, get good at selling user experience design because if you can do that, if you can sell user experience design as a practice, you can not only get a job uh, that you will, will really like, but you will be part of the digital transformation of the companies that really need it, that have low maturity levels and that really need it, but they don't know how and in which shapes and which forms they need it. And if you want, I don't know if you have a content hub somewhere, I can send you, we have a produced from Ladies That UX meetup, a um, like a cheat sheet on how to sell user experience design from one of our meetups. Um, and it has 10 uh, top advices on how, on how to sell it. One advice is don't sell it, tell it. <laughs> so for example, is to communicate uh, again, the value of your work, not only to clients, but also to colleagues, to friends, to the general audience. Because the more you practice talking about the value, the more you believe it yourself, the more other people believe it, the more the senior management buys it and implements it in their strategy. Um, another way to do that is to avoid the jargon. We talked a lot about other people not understanding us, mm. these these uh, weird UX designers who speak <laughs> weirdly. Um, so, so when talking to other people, maybe trying not to use the professional terminology because that again isolates you, puts you in this lone wolf, oh, this I'm the only one who understands this um, position. And it might even make you look a bit snobbish. Mm. So it's, it's, uh, it's about speaking human it's about making it illustrative. Um, it's also sometimes uh, about selling it in parts. So selling one part of the process to start with, maybe just uh, the, the hardest one to sell actually is um, the research. Oh, why do we need the research? What is that anyway? Yeah. <laughs> so, so trying to sell that as a marketable product. Um, so selling maybe the workshops or selling the the user um, the user testing or selling making it into artifacts just as wireframes and ui props are artifacts making as many artifacts in in the user research too um and and the last one is um using your confidence I know it's uh, <laughs> it's really hard for a young professional, mm -hmm. um, but it's it's all about really believing in your knowledge um, and transferring this knowledge with confidence. And often that always, if you're going to communicate with the, the management, that always comes to showing them the ROI, showing them the statistics from other companies, examples from other companies, how UX changed their company and how it could be changing this company too. So yes, if you're a young user experience designer, whatever you, way you want to go or journey you want to go, 
don't be in doubt about the benefits you will have in your uh, career as a user experience designer, but also don't be in doubt of the, about the benefits you are bringing to the company because it's, it's major benefits. It's a business driver that will take them further into the digital transformation. And where can people like find more about you and your podcast if they want to listen to that? So uh, I have a website, it's gensilareci.dk. I will spell it <laughs> because I know uh, people might find it on your episodes, but uh, uh, episode, but uh, I will spell it just in case. So it's X-H-E-N-S-I-L-A-R-E-C-I.dk. Yeah, great. And I will have links as well uh, on I don't know, every platform so people can jump in and, and, and check that out as well. So feel free to reach me out on social media or an email. Everything is linked on my website. So that's a good hub to to find me and, and contact me for any questions that you have. Um, and I'd love to to hear your feedback on the content of this episode and the thoughts that we shared here. Um, and if you have any questions, I would really love to, to take them up and discuss and uh, give you the feedback that I can give. You get the last word and thank you for joining me, Shinsina. That was a super interesting talk. So thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. I, uh, I really felt comfortable and uh, I hope as a good UX designer to have brought value to your listeners. Mm -hmm.